Welcome, welcome to On Democracy, FP Wellman. I am FP Wellman, the host of the show with the mostest. So glad to have you here. Watch on the Midas Touch Network or wherever you find your podcast source, uh, Apple, wherever you go. Just like, subscribe, all those things you're supposed to do. I got to tell you up front, got to like, subscribe, leave a comment. And I'm going to say that up front from now on, by the way. <laughs> if you want to say hi, I'm usually online. I, I think I'll be online this, this when we put the show out this Friday night. Be sure to say hi in the comments. I love talking to you guys. I try my best to answer what I can. Sometimes there's a lot of comments and there's not. But either way, I would just love to uh, love to talk with you. we got a great show. It has been crazy in D.C., which we'll talk about in a second. In the meantime, we got a great guest to talk about. Unique, unique story I'm excited to talk to. So let's get on with the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome again. I am Fred Wellman, host of On Democracy. It's so glad to have you here. It's a great day. You know, I've been starting the show off for like four or eight weeks now the same way. I decided this week to delete it. I'm not going to say the exact same thing, even though chaos does rain in Washington, D.C. and stuff's going on around the world. Uh, but it does does rain in, in D.C. I think we're on our fourth or fifth uh, Speaker of the House nominee. I believe he's going to finally, they may finally have an answer. It's not a great answer, uh, but the chaos in the House may soon come to an end, uh, at least this phase the chaos. Uh, in the meantime, voting continues in, in Virginia, where they're getting a close-up front row seat for this madness. I'm real proud of the Democrats in Virginia. They put out a great ad this week talking about just that. And if you want this in the House and or the you know the legislature in Virginia, here's your example of what can go on uh, when you give Republicans power to run things. So I think it's a great moment for those of us who are political hacks. Um, uh, I, I was talking to someone yesterday. I said I had two hats right now. My, my American citizen hat is a very angry person who's frustrated that the you know the the failure of our government the inability to actually govern um, the danger to our nation and everything else and you take that off put the political hack hat on the political hack part of me a democratic consultant is like uh, thank you for the gifts of ads and things I'm going to run against you for the next two years because the Republicans have shown exactly who they are if you give them the power to govern and we need to take them out of that ability and put them back in the minority uh, where they can't hurt anybody uh, so I, I think it's 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 been a great example of that um, having said all that it's a unique moment. Um, what, be, what became clear in the last week as we last met is that if you're not an election denier, if you're not full-on seditionist, um, you, don't, you don't have a place in the party. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and, and have a great guest to talk about that. My friend Akalena Ganell is here. Uh, he is a remarkable person. So let's, uh, let's bring on our guest. And there you have it. I'm so glad to have this great guest today, uh, a great American whom I've had the privilege to meet and hang out with a little bit. Uh, Akalena Ganell is an immigrant from the Dominican Republic. He's a former U.S. Army soldier like myself and an Iraq war veteran, which we'll talk about. For 17 years, he was a United States Capitol Police officer, as one of four police officers who testified for the House Select Committee on January 6th. He's recipient of the Congressional Gold Medal, Presidential Citizens Medal. But most Importantly, his book, American Shield, an immigrant sergeant who defended democracy on pre-sale right now is available November 7th. We'll put a link up in the description of the video. Got to make sure. Brother, welcome to the show. It's so glad to have you here, man. Thank you for having me, Fred. Well, he's a lot going on. You know, I wanted to catch, I know we're a little bit ahead of the book coming out. Pre-sales are going on. But with the speakers, all this madness, you know, it looks like the number one thing they want from a Speaker of the House, the Republican Party, is their seditionist. I mean, it is, it is, it is the, you know, everybody who didn't vote uh, to overturn the election has been shot down by Trump. I mean, I just can't imagine for you who fought for your life on January 6th, I mean, 
what's going through your mind as you watch this insanity um, where seditious themselves, people orchestrated that day that changed your life, are the leaders of the party and may end up being in the, the shit, the line of the presidency? Uh, it's very disappointing and at the same time, it's incredible that the people who I risked my life for and my colleagues, uh, now they are putting uh, those people in charge of potentially to be the uh, second in line to the presidency uh, behind uh, the vice president. So yeah. it's astounding and disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you, I mean, you talk about in your book, you talk about, you know, Josh Hawley raising his fist and you talk about the orchestrators, this madness. One of the things that struck me is, you know, you were there till what, 3 a.m. Uh, after all the violence, uh, even as the Senate, um, you know, Ted Cruz and others still, still after all the violence, after so yeah. many of your peers were injured, after Ashley Babbitt was killed, they still voted against certifying the election, all that. And, and, and that shock, it must have been for you. I mean, what's it like sitting in the hallway, nursing the many wounds you ended up having, knowing they're still fighting the battle that led to all this? Uh, just like I mentioned in the book, I mean, it's something that we uh, thought that we were doing the right thing. We thought that we were actually uh, protecting those uh, elected officials and, and to for them to turn around and, and behave in this way as if nothing happened and we're that horrible day as a badge of honor uh, and, and, and use it uh, uh, in another way, kind of like a, a qualifying uh, or something that's needed for them to right. be elected or stay in power is uh, remarkable uh, upon itself because this is coming from the party of law and order uh, allegedly, yeah. uh, the, uh, the rule of law supporters, uh, the people who support the police officer in back to the blue, uh, you know, that whole false mantra that they had or false model, uh, no one believes it but themselves because they claim that they do all those things, except when it comes to Capitol police officers and metropolitan police officer who defended the Capitol on January 6th. And uh, on that day, they all knew who was responsible for it. As I speak uh, and write in my book, um, they knew who who's responsible for the damage that happened on that day. And yet they espoused themselves with the same person. And not only that, they also want him to uh, uh, go back to, uh, and, and become the, the nominee and, and stay him back in power as if that thing happened. But on January 6th, they were running for their lives. Uh, they were scared. Uh, had it not been because the efforts that myself and my colleagues did, uh, I didn't think a lot of them would have not survived it. Yeah, and it came close. Um, as you mentioned in the book, you know, Romney came awfully close to walk in the wrong direction. Um, if if I had been one of your colleagues, kind of saved it, you know. And 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 those scenes of that that banality of violence that day, you know, it is it is shocking when you read it. And I, I can't. I'm very fortunate. I appreciate the copy to to read ahead and and see. Um, just the banality of of going to work that one day and then going going home. What you know, eighteen hours later, I think you went home, um, seeing this violence, knowing what caused it. I mean, you were well aware that day of of. I mean, I, I, I you know, you're sitting in the squad room talking to your supervisors. You you were aware. Your 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 squad was aware of what may happen that day. I mean, what was it like in that squad room, sitting there, knowing what what could be coming. Um, I mean, we didn't know what was going to happen. We just knew it was going to be a long day, especially 
leading up to January 6th, we had a lot of uh, commotions, a lot of uh, chatter in terms of uh, what they were planning to do on January 6th, you know, stop the steal, uh, whatever that meant at that time. I didn't, yeah. We didn't think that it was going to be um, violence, but just like kind of like, you know, it's, uh, a, a general uh, First Amendment assembly uh, like we normally had in the past, uh, even during the Iraq war, uh, when people were demonstrating across the country and across the war. I uh, remember when I came back from uh, from Iraq, uh, I worked some of those uh uh, demonstrations against the war, uh, and I nothing major happened at that time uh, relating to the Capitol Police and the Capitol building itself. But here on January 6th, you have all the ingredients for something to be uh, more uh, to be more dangerous. And the worst thing was that many of the people who had the authority to send reinforcement to make a decision to. Uh, have a proper uh, posture to of uh, security uh, was were not uh, doing so out of fear of irritating the former president or the optics of whatever um, they 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 perceived that it would have been uh, outcry by the by the politicians and also for by the public. But when you had the uh, former president himself cheering for the violence, not doing anything for uh, to stop uh, the violence or to defuse it um, and, and not sending the reinforcements that we needed as a commander in chief who he was at that time and the you know not sending the, the military service members like the National Guards or uh, telling his supporter which he held or still holds a lot of influence over them to not to uh, attack the capital, the capital, or breach the capital. Instead, he act them and continue to elevate them. And now they use that as a rallying cry, as a badge of honor. That if you don't, if you uh, go against that, then you are not a real Republican at all. Yeah, yeah. And you talked about how just six months earlier you'd been called out for the BLM protests that have been occurring in DC. And yeah. you were shocked that day by something like what, 19 federal agencies were called out to include DOD active duty troops from the from the 82nd yeah. Airborne to come yeah. to town. I mean, and the dichotomy of that versus January 6th. I mean, wh how, what, what were you thinking of that? I mean, it's like I said, the response between both groups were totally different. Right. I, I get it that the Black Lives Matter, so, and, you know, that those type of uh, First Amendment demonstrations were uh, to call for civil change to, uh, to for for something that was going on, you know, for a large population of our country. But that's different than the inciting the mob from, because uh, Black Lives Matter, they could have taken Poland, they could have taken Minnesota, and that still would not have threatened our system of governance. Yeah. As compared to the Trump supporters uh, uh, that were attacking the Capitol, uh, breaching multiple layers of security, um, and to include officers in full uniform, riot uniform, telling them, go back, stop, you are unrestricted, you need to leave. Yep. So, so those things were uh, not be taken into account by those people who claim that nothing happened January 6th. 
uh, a lot of things happened on January 6th and people need to realize that it could have been a lot worse, not only for ourselves, but to for the country and for the, our democracy. Yeah, and 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 it's, I know it's been a struggle for you. You were you were one of the last of the guys that kind of came forward of the group. You know, there's you, know, you and Fanon and 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 of course Harry. Um, and I love in the prologue of the book. Then people, you're going to love this book, by the way. I just I hope you all buy this next week. Um, you talk about finding your voice. You know, the journey to finding your voice from a kid in the Dominican Republic. Uh, you know, living with your living with your relatives um, as you as you struggled, moving to the United States very young. Um, and, and a whole life where you were told to hold your voice and then something switched. I mean, tell me more about that. You know, that, that journey from the kid, you know, the kid in the fields, helping in the fields to, you know, stepping forward to CNN. Well, it's, you know, the rarity or the odd thing that, you know, in my case is that growing up, I had those things. And like I mentioned in the book, uh, every single time I, try to speak up I learn a lesson because I got smack in my mouth or <laughs> you don't do that don't talk when I'm talking with me or yeah. don't contradict me so I learned that from the beginning like the discipline if it's not between uh, nobody is talking to you it's not related to you if if all these things are not involving you then don't know that it's happening but leave it alone don't don't get yeah. engaged and I learned that as a uh, as a little kid uh, early on, and I, I remember in high school, my guiding counselor, uh, Miss Vega, she she asked me, "Hey, you wanted to recite your po- poem that which I won in in in, in high school, uh, first prize?" Uh, she they wanted me to read it in front of the uh, the school. Uh, and I said, no, I get too nervous. Plus my accent and the same thing in college when we had a, um, uh, when I was a member of the Latino club, they have this event and they wanted me to do something. I said, no, I'm good. So, uh, being shy, being quiet, being staying out of the spotlight that had kept me away from a lot of things, uh, including the, uh, uh, growing up in Brooklyn, uh, I sang out of trouble uh, because I, where I grew up at that time in Brooklyn, there was a lot of crimes, a lot of gang, a lot of drugs. Yeah. So that staying my lane kept me out of trouble. And I learned that uh, early on in the military as well. So I continue to use that as kind of like my my uh, safe environment to, to, to go to. Um, and on January 6th, that was something that I couldn't do uh, I, I was trust into, uh, the spotlight. I was trust into the fighting. I witnessed and, and, and survive a lot of those things that happened in events. Um, so, uh, overcoming a lot of obstacles, uh, in my life, which I know in, in the book as well, uh, how kept me away. Uh, but coming forward and, and speak of my mind, I knew during six, because of what happened during six, this was bigger than my, uh, my, my lane, they stay quiet. Then, uh, I did listen to my wife for a few months. And when she said, you know, don't say anything is people going to hold, uh, all these people accountable for what, for what they did. But once I saw that that was not happening when I saw Mitch McConnell saying, uh, you know, don't support this investigation, do me a favor yeah, and, and, and vote, uh, against it. Uh, this is coming from the same people who I risked my life from the people who, uh, 
you know, claim to be supporting the police officers and they don't. So I knew that moment that because I was a uh, person who was a supervisor on the force, on the Capitol Police Force, I was a uh, sergeant in the military who served overseas. I had the injuries. I had the videos. I could identify myself in those. And I thought because of that, maybe they didn't believe uh, Officer Harry Dunn or the other one because they didn't sustain as severe injuries, but I did. Yeah. And I risked my life for that. And I, I thought by me doing that, I would have had all the people coming forward to or more people who have believed what I had to say. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, those individuals from uh, the GOP, uh, they think that we, the police officer, were the bad guys uh, on January 6th because we stopped their supporters from uh, uh, breaking and besieging the Capitol and our Constitution, uh, doing a government uh, uh, constitutional process. Yeah. Which, and, which is insane. It is. Yeah, it is insane. All of us insane. And and you did. And you stepped forward and it did change your life. And, you know, it was it was gratifying to see the recognition you've gotten for that brave stance. And of course, those of us who are public figures already, you know, been on the Trump fighting Trump for all these years, it's it's not a very comfortable place. I can imagine what your wife was <laughs> has she has she forgiven you yet or <laughs> Well, I, I actually actually had a conversation with her, I think it was last year and last summer yeah. where I remember coming home at 3 a.m. Uh, four, four o'clock in, on, on that, on January 7th. And as beat up and injured as I was, I got up at seven o'clock again and she thought I was going to the hospital and she got upset at me because I told her, no, help me pack. I'm going back to the Capitol. I need it there. I'm, even though I'm injured, I could still function. I could grab my gun and, and, and use it if I need to. I was in pain on my right hand, but it's still, I, I was able to, to put myself through that pain to go to the Capitol and fight uh, if I needed. Uh, and I never told her why until last year and I, uh, last year I, told, I asked her, do you, so, some, some uh, conversation came up again and I asked her, do you realize why, uh, or do you want to know why I went back to the Capitol? And she said, no, I'm still upset at you. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, well, I know you were upset because I know you wanted to care for me, but in my rationale on that day, I feel, I felt like uh, I was taking thinking about her protecting her, even though she didn't see it yeah. I, in my mind, I was, it was like, if I could, if I'm at the Capitol, if I'm still defending what we have sacrificed so much, if we continue defending the Capitol, our uh, system of governance, uh, then at least my son and her will have a better future. Uh, if something were to happen to me, at least I'm risking my life for, for them. I wasn't thinking about my safety. I wasn't thinking about my body. I was thinking about them and, and everybody else, because at that time, uh, there were reports on, on, on internal communications that uh, in the Intel that all these people were going to come back with guns and, and rifles and, and, you know, 
a lot of firearms and they're going to go back in for a second crack at it. So what was my job and my duty? Go back to work and, and not only defend the capital, but be there for my colleagues as a sergeant that I was, I needed to be there for my colleagues and, and, and help any way, shape or form that I could to defend the capital. And if that meant sacrificing myself for a better future, not only for my son and her, then that will be it. Uh, and then she, she kind of like understood that, but she still, uh, upset at me, um, for doing that. I'm like, well, it's, and, and one thing that she reminded me was that when I did leave, cause she wanted to, and I didn't remember this until, uh, she told me this recently, uh, when I told her that I was going back to the Capitol, she reproached me about it. She said something, why do you have to go back? Blah, blah, blah. And according to her, what I told her was, well, you knew that this was going to happen the day you marry me. I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, but, you're blocking you know, that one on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think I would have done anything different that day because it was my job. I, 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 I really sense that it was my job to do and be at work. I, I based on that totality of circumstances of what was happening on that day. Well, it's duty. And, and I think, and we are people like us are fortunate to have people in our lives probably that understand that as, as soldiers, you know, I'm a veteran yeah. you know, and it, it's, it's, we're lucky to have people who accept that. It's never easy for them and they'll give you a hard time. And, and it, it's that banality, a term I use a lot as I was reading your book. One of the things that struck me from my own experience too is how you mentioned during the brutal, what you would describe later, medieval fighting uh, in the North Tunnel that your yeah. phone, you could feel your phone vibrating, right? You could feel your wife texting yeah. you and calling you, like checking on you. And it, it struck me. I, I, I think I told you in the pre-show, you know, I, I was in Iraq up north of you at, at Mosul, uh, at, near Mosul, Q West. Um, and I remember the first time we got rocketed really good. They, 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 they got us. And, uh, and I remember hearing the rockets marching in. I know you had those kind of one that kind of march them in, right? You know? mm -hmm. And they were marching in. I was literally on chat with my then, now ex-wife, my wife. I was talking. We were having an argument about something to do with the kids, I think. And I'm like, look, I got to go. And she's like, oh, you're just walking away with this fight. I was like, no, I literally got to go. She's like, what? You know, mm -hmm. I said, look, I got to go hide because we're getting bombed right now. Mm -hmm. And that's that weird thing, right? That dichotomy of being in combat where your life is in danger, uh, but also where the world's still turning, right? Yeah. And I mean, I... On January 6th, I was, especially when when I started um, feeling that vibration in, in, in my pocket of uh, from my phone, uh, I knew most of my family and friends and people who knew me and they were trying to reach me. Those of, those of them that knew that I was a police officer, uh, um, they were reaching out, trying to find out uh, how, how bad it was and how... I was, whether I was at work or not, uh, I knew my wife knew that I was at work and I am sure, I'm pretty sure the way she knows, knowing her, she knew that I was in the thick of it and, and, job, and right? yeah. trying, trying to help. Yeah. Uh, especially when she knew that I was, uh, uh, part of the, uh, civil disturbance unit. Yep. And those, those are the were those were the images that, um, they were showing on TV, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, and, and the difficulty of that is that uh, before January 6th, you didn't watch the news. I used to 
argue with her like watch the damn news you <laughs> might learn, you might learn something that you know something happening around you or about me, things in the capital that are going to affect you or your lives and she never done that so i oh really that happened when well i'm like if you watch the news you will find out um at least things that are going to affect your life and and on that day she happened to be uh browsing through channels and i think her mom call her or she called her mom and, and told her, um, Hey, something's going on in the cop. And she immediately knew that I was in the thick of it. Um, I was on the West front. I could identify myself very easily, uh, uh on pictures and videos. Yeah. I know what I did and what people did to me. And I remember a lot of those things, uh, even though as that, even though with my PTSD, I still remember a lot of those things, uh, because, uh, I, I relive it a lot of times. I had to testify to the courts, to the prosecutors, to the general sex committee, uh, and for my own safe. I, I needed uh, I needed to keep track of what happened to me and who did what to me so I could hold them accountable. Um, on the West Front, I was, um, I was there for um, the entire time. Uh, and, you know, I, when we were... Defending the cap, the police line. We lost the police line uh, when we retreated up the stage uh, and into the tunnel. I, you know, it, it was a long day for me, as I talk about it in the book. Yeah. Uh, and and then and then not everything that happened to me is in the book because uh, obviously the book would have been long longer. And I, I think to make things easier for people to understand in a nice way, I only put the the most uh, intricate, uh, things that happened to me. Uh, but there were certainly a lot of the things that I'm finding out now that, uh, through videos and research to my own, uh, you know, like I mentioned to you early, uh, roughly 40 to 60 people, probably more than that, uh, had attacked me on that day. And, um, some of them, they, they had not been uh, arrested or identified. Uh, I think, I think some, uh, I appreciate the online salute for, um, identifying a lot of those, uh, perpetrators and, and perps who assaulted me, uh, through their help. I, I had gained some type of accountability with, with, would it, uh, is it, every, uh, the type of accountability that I won? Probably not, but you know, at least it's something It's better than them getting, uh, 30 days, uh, home arrest or uh, probation. Um, yeah. I, I seek accountability, and through that, uh, that helped me. Yeah, and that was like one of my next questions. Actually, is like, is there is there any satisfaction at this point to see some accountability, even even now as a climb? I mean, in this last week or so, you know, some some of Trump's tr uh, own lawyers have turned in Georgia. The the case uh, in D.C. on Jan about the January 6th specifically is starting to heat up quite a bit. I mean, obviously, a couple thousand uh, folks have been convicted. Uh, many more thousands, like you said, are out there. I, I was I was I've been helping some folks identify military people in the crowd. Um, you mentioned in the book there were several military people, uh, Marines, and even more yeah. disturbing, your own cops. I mean, I think one of the vignettes that struck me was uh, when you mentioned that one of your colleagues heard a National Guardsman who was on duty after January. Six bragging about having been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's insane because you know these are people who took an oath to defend the Constitution, just like I did. 
uh, and here they were attacking me for defending, doing my job, keeping my oath, doing my duty uh, in a different capacity than the military. But nevertheless, they took up upon themselves to uh, he and, and attack uh, the law enforcement officers on behalf of uh, the former president because he thinks that he got cheated. You could think anything that you want to, but don't take action on those beliefs because I could I could sit here and tell you the moon is made of cheese. Is it made of cheese? I, I, you could care less about what I think. <laughs> it's not a fact. Right. If, it, if the facts don't add up, then it's not your beliefs are wrong. You know, I, I, I don't know. I cannot explain to people, people who were supposedly educated, uh, people who had honorable career, people who had a good job and, and, and a good life. And just because this person uh, tells them, you know what, go to the Capitol and fight for me. A millionaire is asking you to fight for him. A millionaire is asking you to send him money so he could fight uh, uh, his criminal cases and, and payroll his criminal cases. Are you serious? How is that helping you as an individual? How is that um, doing anything to better yourself? Nothing. What had he had done for you and your family? Now, all those people who had been held accountable through the court system because of what they did on January 6th, I don't feel sorry for them. Uh, I think they made themselves uh, uh, a, a useful tool for, for the former president and that former president doesn't give a crap about what happened to them. And like I said, a millionaire person a, or billionaire, as he claims yeah. to be, is yeah. asking a common folks to fund his legal defense. Like what happened to your millions or, or your billions? Are you serious? Yeah. You know, but that's that's on them for being fooled. Sometimes it's easier. Like uh, I think it's the saying that says sometimes it, it, it's harder to tell a fool that they being fooled than than to show them. You know, so on, until they start believing the whole thing, the, the whole thing, uh, it made no sense. Uh, yeah, well, I'm just glad you're still in the fight. I, I'm glad uh, you know you've uh, you've had a rough b- bump of it. I'm, I'm thrilled to see the book coming out. It's well deserved. I'm excited. Everybody's going to comes out November seventh. Uh, I hope everyone will buy it. We'll be plugging it this week. I know we're a little early. We'll be plugging it again when it comes out. <laughs> um, where can they find the book? You can find the book online right now for pre-sales, right? Yeah, you can find it anywhere you buy your uh, your books normally. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the name is American Shield uh, by Aquilino Gunnell, the sergeant who defended democracy, and also in Spanish, uh, Escudo Americano, uh, El Sargento que defendió America, uh, democ- la democracia, sorry. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on X, uh, Sergeant AQGO, uh, and follow me. Uh, I'm a very humble person. I don't try to be political, but I know a lot of things about politics. Um, I, I'm a doctor person uh, and try to treat everybody the same, whether there are uh, any group or, or you have a, a, a different political view than I do. I try to be respectful and I, I did my job 
uh, on January 6th, not thinking about uh, uh, any achievement medals or awards that I would receive. I did it because it was my job, my duty. And I hope that people who read my book get a sense of the type of person who I, I am, uh, the things that help me uh, become who I am and the, and the character that I have is based on those experiences. Um, and again, uh, our democracy stands still uh, today because of the action that we, the officers, did, not the other way around, um, com- uh, contrary to what many of the elected officials tells you, uh, that those people who assaulted the Capitol Police uh, and defended the Capitol are patriots. They're not patriots. Those are people who were misled by the former president, and we did our job. We were the one authorized um, to be uh, defending the Capitol today, not them. Yep, and you did nobly. I, I, I watched it at home with my son, absolutely climbing the walls, seeing what you guys are going through. Um, it's unusual to see, you know, something like that. And and for me, I mean, I, I, you talk, we talk PTSD. I, it was it was rough on me. There was there was things I tweeted that my son would grab me and say, "You got to delete that." <laughs> you know, I go, "Okay, that's a good point." You know, he was sort of my my filter that day. Thank God he was there with me as we watched it unfold. And uh, I can only imagine what your family went through. I, I just yeah, really appreciate I, you, brother. I mean, you know, I mean, thank you. And and one thing that people need to realize is that. We talk about normally about physical injuries and, and mental injuries, but you also taking is begin to talk about the moral injuries. Yes, uh, which is when you do the right thing, and not a lot of people uh, think that you did the right thing because when what we did, we did it not thinking about uh, the people who we protected what were the political views or the ideology. We did it because it was our duty. And now some of those same individuals that were running for their lives with the time that we gave them on January 6th, they now say that nothing happened, but nothing happened to who? Nothing happened to them because they were able to escape to the safe house, to the safe room, or completely out of the capital. Um, With the time that and uh, that we did with the action because of the action that we took uh, were we overwhelmed? Yes. Did we stop everybody from coming to the Capitol? No. But none of the members of Congress and elected officials and their staff uh, were harmed. The ego might have been harmed, but and, and traumatized. But we did our job, and that's what we were there for. Yep. Uh, if you if you listen to uh, some of the most our spoken person to trying to downplay what happened in January 6th, you will listen to them and they say, oh, nothing happened. It was a tour. Oh, these are patriots. Or uh, that one day in January, like the former pres- uh, vice president said, well, that one day in January almost killed me. That one day in January almost got you hanged. And here you are not even uh, putting a face break or having the courage to come back and say, you know what? I knew what the former president was going to do. I should have gone through the uh, uh, law enforcement agency to Intel and say, because my pens has, has a lot of credit. People give him a lot of credit for it. I don't because he knew some of his plans. Mm-hmm. He was involved in some of these things. He knew what the former president was going to do. And yet he didn't notify the law enforcement community about potentially what will happen on January 6th. Yep. He only did he he did his job on January 6th 
to certify the election, but he had more information than what he had told people, which is why he should have um, come forward and testify and give, give, you know, he don't even have to testify, call a press conference and tell people what he knew. Yep. The same, the same thing with Kevin McCarthy and a lot of all the members. Yep. Uh, why do you think that they don't want a legitimate investigation to what happened in the Capitol? Because they all were in cahoot with it. They knew what was going to happen. It just got out of hand. And now on, on that day, on January 6th, they were so afraid of what they had created that they, they were fearful for their life. But now that they are not in that setting, in that fear, they all they all come back and, and follow through and, and 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 it's mind-bodingly what they had done, especially with the speaker fight. Yeah. Now if you you know they see that as a qualifier for yeah. them to uh if you had as a qualifier for them to become a, a leader that you had to support the insurrection to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we are. Well with that I really just appreciate you and appreciate you taking time with us in this exciting week as your book comes out. I know it's a long journey to get to that point and uh, wish you the best. I will tell my guests over again, I'll mention it a lot this week, get the book, support your work, listen to the story, read the story and understand uh, just how important this is. So thanks for keeping up the fight, man. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. Talk to you soon. Lomi is the only appliance that prevents food waste from sticking up your kitchen and polluting the planet. Now that I've invested in Lomi, it's changed the way I deal with my food waste. Lomi is the biggest innovation in the modern day kitchen since the dishwasher. It's helped me turn my home into a climate solution. And now I can transform my organic waste into nutrient-rich Lomi earth I can feed to my plants, lawn, or garden instead of sending it to the landfill. I can help the environment and make my life easier. In just four hours, Lomi transforms almost anything you eat into nutrient-rich plant food at the push of a button. It's smart, simple food recycling that fits my space perfectly. You can cut the chore of doing the trash in half and eliminate bugs and odors in your kitchen. And here's a bonus. You get to feed your lawn and garden with an all-natural fertilizer that you just created out of your food scraps. All my food scraps, be it plant clippings, even those leftovers I forgot in the back of the fridge can go into my garden, helping me grow more nutritious food at home. I learned that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. By reducing the amount of food I send to the landfill, I'm helping do my part for the planet. Now, whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or, you know, just like me, grow just a really beautiful garden, Lomi is perfect for you. Now, head to Lomi dot com slash fred use the promo code fred to get fifty dollars off your lomi that's fifty dollars off and you head to l-o-m-i dot com slash fred use promo code fred at checkout thank you to lomi for sponsoring this episode we appreciate your support trees are a renewable resource but you know not an unlimited resource i mean honestly trees don't actually grow on trees right so everyday companies are clear-cutting force just to produce toilet paper Trees and wood are amazing resources, but doesn't make sense to use them for a product we only use once and flush away. You know, those trees deserve better. That's why real paper uses bamboo to make their sustainable toilet paper. Not only does bamboo grow incredibly fast, you know, because it, it's a grass. It can be cut, harvested over and over again, just like the grass in your lawn. So when you use real, it doesn't feel like you're sacrificing trees or 
you know, look, I'm a tree hugger. I'm, I admit it freely. If you guys follow me, you know I hike every day. I'm out in the woods. And to know we're cutting down these beautiful trees for toilet paper, it just doesn't make sense. So real in a lot of ways feels like an upgrade to me for my heart. It's always shipped free to my door. It's plastic-free shipping packaging. Again, it can schedule it. I can schedule it right on my right on the line. Subscription goes exactly where I need it, when I need it. I never have to worry about forgetting to buy anything at the store. Real is partnered with One Tree Planted. So with every box of real that you buy, they're funding like reforestation efforts. And if you've ever hiked in one of those places where they're putting new trees in, it's beautiful to see. And it needs money. So unlike other TP that cuts down trees, real is actually helping organizations to replant our forest and to grow our trees back. So look, real paper is available in easy, hassle-free subscriptions for an online purchase or a one-time purchase on their website. All orders are conveniently delivered to your doorstep with free shipping, 100% recyclable, plastic-free packaging. So if you head to Real Paper, I want you to go to realpaper.com slash Fred. You sign up for subscription using my code Fred. You're going to get 30% off your first order and free shipping. So that's Real Paper, R-E-E-L, P-A-P-E-R.com slash Fred or enter promo code Fred to get that 30% off your first order and free shipping. So let's make a change for good this year, right? Switch to real paper, real is paper for the planet. And we're thrilled to have him a sponsor for this show. Man, <laughs> you know, I, I actually got to meet Aquilino in, um, in DC a couple times and I always walked away um, impressed by his, his humble manner it's funny you stand around with him and harry dunn harry's the you know the opposite of all that you know and we're remarkable men um that i've had the privilege to meet and and talk to i'm so thrilled we were able to have him show as his book comes out i really i can't urge you enough i know we're a little early but the book comes out november 7th you can pre you can pre-order it right now and 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 it's worth it I, I i if nothing else support a great american who put his life on the line is disabled had to retire from his dream job after serving his country since he was a kid um we deserve, we don't, well, I, I'll just say we don't deserve people like him, which brings me to the topic I'll close out with. If you saw this week uh, as the Republicans selected yet another House candidate or speaker candidate, um, they had a little press conference that night. And um, well, I think we can show the clip, Matt, you know, we'll show, uh, here's here's how the press conference went after they selected uh, Mr. Johnson. Yeah, members of Congress telling people to shut up, telling police uh, reporters to shut up uh, and booing them. The one you saw in front there, the older lady is Virginia Fox of North Carolina's 5th District, who has been in Congress since 2004, getting reelected by 60 points or more or 65 percent of the vote each time. This last cycle, she, they made her district redder. And I think they've done it again in North Carolina. So she won by 40 points. Her challenger, she's 80 years old, by the way. She's been in politics since 1994. You know, the Republicans like to talk about the swamp, the swamp creatures. I dare you to find someone who's more of a swamp creature than a person who's been a professional pro politician since 1994 and Congress for 20 years, uh, 80 years old, and thinks she can tell a reporter to shut up. Her opponent last time was only to raise about $30,000 challenger. Now, she has a Democrat opponent now, but she's anti-choice. She's anti-LGBT. She's just one of the worst members of Congress. And there she is, front and center, 
telling a member of the free press to shut up. And that's the Congress. That's the Republican Congress we face. These are the people that Officer Gunnell, Sergeant Gunnell had to defend. They don't think they work for us. They don't think they answer to us. They don't think they have to listen to us at all. My congressman here in Missouri, Missouri 2, Ann Wagner, hasn't held a town hall in six years. They don't care what you think. They've gerrymandered their districts. They're going to keep getting reelected. And you, you, the voter, you're just an inconvenience. The only thing they're afraid of is somebody more extreme than them primarying them and voting them out. That's why I'm, that's why I'm chairman of the Fort Forgotten Democrats, which brings me back to Forgotten Democrats, which you've heard every week. Forgotten Democrats is a simple concept. We have a unique model, multi-donors. Multi-donation is split amongst multiple candidates from the woes had the least, the first. The, the Democrat that ran against Ms. Fox um, only raised $3,000. He would have qualified for our money at that time if we had it. If you join Forgotten Democrats, you can learn about it more on our email. You can email, just text FRED to 33777. Just text FRED to 33777. Or even better, go to ForgottenDemocrats.org and join. <laughs> just join. Um, a small donation a month is split amongst multiple candidates. We're not, we're not doing ads. We're not doing an office in a fancy city. It's simply the money is split amongst candidates, those who need the most first. That's it. And that's why we have to fight everywhere. Or we end up with people like Virginia Fox, who after three weeks without a speaker, after the complete clusterfuck of a Congress, has the audacity to get on camera with a big grin on their face like they're freaking heroes and tell a black reporter to shut up. That's the Republicans for you. And I do appreciate the ad she's given us because we're going to use that ad. I assure you of that. But that's where we're at. And you can make a difference. Virginia, if you haven't voted yet in Virginia, damn it, go vote. You've got till November 7th to vote in Virginia. You do not want these idiots running your state. Go vote. Organize. Fight back. That's all we can do. We have to push back against this anti-democratic authoritarian movement that has become what's left of the former Republican Party. With that... Thanks for joining us this week. A little bit more of a serious show this week. Very serious topic. Uh, great guest. I hope you'll get the book again. I'll plug it one more time before we go home. Pre-orders. We'll put a link in the bio here. We'll put a link in the uh, the show description. It's on the on our podcast. I can't tell you how important it is that we support these men and women who braved that day uh, to fight back and defend our country. I look forward to seeing you. As always, you can find me on X slash Twitter, FP Wellman on threads. blowing up right now. FP Wellman official, FP Wellman official on Instagram. I'd love to have you follow me there. In the meantime, keep up the fight. Thanks for joining us here on the Myos Touch Network. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And we will see you next week right here.